Good morning. How's everybody doing? Worship was great, man. Uh, so this week, I've, I've, had a, I've had a pretty long week, to be honest with you. I, you know, I got, got all the hay in the barn and uh, apparently picked some sort of topic that was really deep to prepare a sermon for. So uh, it's been good. It's been challenging, though. And I'm excited to have the opportunity to share it with you this morning. But before I do that, I'd kind of like to make a deal with you, if that'd be okay. I know it's, I know it's Memorial Weekend, Memorial Day weekend, and, we, and you know, we've been to a lot of barbecues, done a lot of stuff. But I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to see if you'll make a deal with me. I'm going to do my best to make this as clear as possible this morning and make it, make it easy to follow and everything else. If you will do your best to hear it. If you're willing to make that deal, say I. I. If you say nay, you just get up and leave. It's all right. Nobody will, nobody will look at you. Uh, <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm excited because I believe this is an extremely important message this morning. I, and I believe it's something that God, I mean, God just really impressed it upon my heart. And the reason being, I believe most of us have something missing in our lives. Something is absent from our lives. There's a void there where something is supposed to be. So often we feel that our lives are incomplete. Now, some of you may not have, but a lot of you immediately recognize the feeling that I was talking about. Immediately. It's where happiness is short-lived. Happiness in your life is short-lived. Exciting moments sink back into the monotony of life very quickly. It's almost like there's a numbness that clouds so much of our lives, a blankness that envelops us. Something is lacking, and I believe God shared with me what that was. So I want to encourage you, if you've ever had that feeling of any sort this morning, maybe it comes and goes and, or whatever, I want, you to, I want to encourage you to hear what God has to say this morning, because I believe he shared with me what was missing. I believe he shared with me the path to a complete life. If you will, turn in your Bibles with me to uh, Ephesians chapter 3, 14 through 19. And uh, if you don't have your Bibles, that is fine. I'm going to give me just a minute, though, because I'm going to give you a little bit of background. I want to give you a little bit of, of history on these verses here. Um, the book of Ephesians was written by a man named Paul. And if you don't know who Paul is, I'm going to kind of give you the short of it here. Paul was a guy that his original name was Saul, and Saul uh, persecuted Christians. But one day on a road to Damascus, Saul met Jesus Christ, and it changed his life forever. He became a Christian Christ follower. He was maybe one of the greatest evangelists to ever live, shared Jesus all over the world. That's who Paul was. And so that's, that's who, writes, who, who wrote the book of Ephesians. But Ephesians is a collection of letters that were sent to a church in Ephesus that Paul himself established, helped establish. It was on his second missionary journey to Europe and Asia. And he made it to the city of Ephesus, and he began sharing Christ there. And they, they, they decided to, to form a church there in that city. And Ephesus was a big city. And uh, Paul ended up spending three years of his life there. Now, that's important. Three years of his life as a missionary in the city of Ephesus. And we know a couple of things about his time there. Number one, we know it was memorable. 
He spoke very highly of his time in the city of Ephesus. He, he enjoyed his time there. He enjoyed the people there. Uh, but we also know that it was effective. They built a very strong church in Ephesus. There were a lot of people. A lot of people got saved. A lot of people were growing as disciples to the point where this church was actually now sending out missionaries and messengers of its own to the surrounding regions sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ. So the church was extremely successful. But it was in that three-year time period there where Paul's desire grew to go and share the gospel with Rome. He really wanted, he really wanted Rome to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so that was kind of born there. So he left Ephesus in good and trusted hands, left the, left the church there, good and trusted hands. It was flourishing. And when he left, he was going to kind of make a pit stop in Jerusalem. If you look at that on a map, that is not what that is, but it's kind of funny. Anyway, is that too fast? <laughs> so he, got, he, he started off in Jerusalem, and a riot broke out in Jerusalem, and he was arrested by the Roman guard there. So now he was a prisoner of the Romans. And they decided to transport him. Guess where they decided to transport him to? Anybody want to guess? Thank you. Yes. They transported him to Rome. So he made it to Rome, not exactly like he had envisioned. He had planned on going there as a missionary, sharing the gospel, but instead he was a prisoner. That's exactly right. Thank you. And it was in that time as a prisoner in Rome where Paul penned the letters that we call the epistles, which is these books of the Bible. Ephesians, Philippians. So he started writing these letters, and these letters were church, but i got to kind of stop. Is that enough background? Is that enough history for y'all? you had enough of that? Now I'm going to take you to real, real world stuff. Now I want, you to, I want you to go with me and be Paul for just a second. Because you have to imagine, you're in the place where you wanted to be, you wanted to be sharing the gospel, you wanted to be there to do that, and instead you're there as a prisoner. And you've got all these churches that you helped establish as a missionary. And you start sitting down to write letters to him. Now, I want you to put yourself there because here he sits. He's writing letters. It's not like he could pick up the phone and call them. You know, hey, how's it going? Y'all been, been doing any mission trips lately or anything like that? He couldn't do that. He couldn't check, you know, Ephesus Church Facebook status, see what they were up to. So when he sat down to write a letter, don't you think that it was very important? What he had to share with them was very important. He wasn't going to take a lot of time to like be like, weather's been terrible here, man. You, know, you see what I'm saying? I want you to put yourself there, really think about this time period. Think about Paul having to write these letters. Sit down. And not only that, but he's not writing to strangers. He's not writing to people he doesn't know. He's writing to people he cares about. He's writing to people he knows their families. He knows their children. He watched them accept Christ as their Lord and Savior. He, he, he probably discipled them, spent a lot of time with them, talking about Jesus talking about a relationship with Jesus. So it's important to me that you don't just look and say, oh, these are letters from one guy to a church. That's not the way it is. These were letters to people that he deeply cared for, people he loved, people he had history with. And these were people that uh, he had been praying for. It says in the Bible, it says he prayed for these people endlessly that he knew. Prayed for them endlessly. These are people that he truly loved. So are you there with me now? So there sits Paul, he's writing a letter, and that's exactly what we're going to pick up because Paul has actually decided he's going to share with them something that he's been praying for them. Does that make sense? So Paul's been praying, and he's going to share with them, hey guys, this is what I've been praying for you. Does that make sense? So that's where we are, Ephesians chapter 3, verse 14. Here we go. When I think of all of this, 
I fall to my knees and I pray to the Father, the creator of everything in heaven and on earth. All right, stop. I got a few things I feel like you need to know right there. First of all, the first sentence is, when I think of all this, right, the first part, when I think of all this, what is he talking about? He is talking about the fact that he has been sitting there reminiscing. He's been thinking about his past, what, where God brought him from, what God ta- has taken him through in his life and to in his life. So that's what he, and he's thinking about his time there with them, all that time that he had spent there in Ephesus with them, you know, and, and, and when they got saved and he discipled them. He's thinking about them. He's thinking about his life, their time together, the things that they saw God do. That's what he's doing. So he's saying, I'm reminisced. When I think about all of this, I fall to my knees and pray to the Father. Now, I want you to stop again. This is important. This is not a, like, accidental prayer. Does that make sense? This is not, hey, he just so happened to pray this. One day, I was riding on a truck. Man, I thought about you, and so I prayed this. That's not what it is. This is a very intentional prayer. Does that make sense? It's, it's I, when I think about you, I think about our time together. Man, I go, and I hit my knees, and I pray to the Father. I think it's important that you see the intentionality in that. You see how, how important it was to him that this was something that he would pray for in this way. The third thing I want you to see in that, he says, to the Father, the creator of everything in heaven and earth. I think, I, I think it's important that you see this. There are a lot of ways to address Father. I mean, to address God. And he does point out the creator of everything in heaven and earth. So he, he talks about the greatness of God right there. He shows you this is how great God is. But there's something personal about calling him Father. And you don't see it all the time in the I think, it's, I think it's personal, I think it's intimate, and I think it's there for a reason because I think he really wants, it, it, I think it foreshadows what's coming. Does that make sense? So he says, Father. Verse 16, he says, I pray that from his glorious unlimited resources, he will empower you with, uh, with inner strength through his spirit. Then Christ will make his home in your hearts as you trust in him. Your roots will grow down into God's love and keep you strong. I'll tell you one thing about the epistles. There's all kinds of sermons like in one, in one piece of scripture in, a, in an epistle. <laughs> but I'm going to clarify this for you guys. Okay, I'm going to give you the simplest version of this I can give to you. He's talking about, I am praying for spiritual growth for you. Does that make sense? I am praying for spiritual growth. I'm going to point out the, the places where it says that. Inner strength through the Spirit. He's praying that the Spirit of God will strengthen them. And then Christ will make his home in your hearts. In other words, that Christ is building something in you. He's molding something out of you. He is changing who you are. He is, he is moving you somewhere. And then he says, and your roots will grow down into God's love. He's talking about, this is a growth. This is a, a, a happening thing. Does that make sense? So he's talking about spiritual growth. So Paul says, man, when I think about you guys, I think about us. I, I pray to the Father. I hit my knees and I pray to the Father. And I pray that you will begin to grow spiritually, that he will begin to do a work in you. Does that make sense? Okay. Now, I want to focus on the next two verses. This is where, and I know this is a lot of information, guys, and that's why I said that. Just, just try to stay with me, guys. But the next two verses is where I really want to focus because I believe it was the focus of Paul's prayer here. I believe it was what he was really, in, what he was really looking for for them, what he was really praying for for them. And so I want to focus on that because I believe it was his. And this is what he says in verse 18. And may you have the power to understand as all God's people should. All right, stop. We're not going to find out what it is yet. He says, and may you have the power to understand as all God's people should. Paul's prayer for his friends in Ephesus is that Christ will give them the ability to understand something. 
His prayer is that they will get something. They will understand it. And apparently, as all Christians should. Because that's who he's writing to, a bunch of Christians. All Christians should understand this. And I want to make sure, I want to stop right here for just a second, because understand is not really, uh, I mean, it's a good word, but for us, a lot of times, when we think of understand, we think about this. You know what I mean? We think about, it's a head knowledge thing. It's, it's something that happens up here. It's cerebral. And this word actually translates out to be a little different than that, and I want to explain it to you. If you look in the NIV, the NIV actually uses the word grasp. And he said, I want you guys, I want God to give you the ability to grasp something. You look up another, uh, actually what it translates out to also is the word apprehend. So this is something that you go and you take in. You grab it, you cling to it, you take it into yourselves, you never let go of it. The word is more descriptive than understand, and it's important for me. So if you guys, under, it's important to me that you guys understand that. So if you understand that I'm not talking about a head knowledge understanding something, then shake your heads. If, if, I'm, like, if I'm like over here drowning in the pool, you don't have to do that. It's, it's fine. But it's more, it's more than just understanding something. It's more than just getting in your head. It's, it's taking it in, clinging to it. You never let go of it. It becomes something that's part of you. So what was he praying that they would grasp, that they would understand, that they would know, recognize? Read the rest of that verse with me. And may you have the power to understand as all God's people should, how wide, how long, how high, and how deep the love of Christ is. So Paul's prayer to them, prayer for them, was that they, that God would give them the ability to grasp the vastness and the magnitude of Christ's love for them. You see that? Is everybody with me? Say yes. All right, awesome. He applies this visual to it, which I absolutely love. The deal is he wants them to see the expanse of it, the magnitude of it, the vastness of Christ's love for them. He, wants to, he says, man, you guys got to get this. I'm praying that God will give you the ability to get how unbelievable it is. And then he says how wide, how long, how high, how deep the love of Christ is. And I just love that because, he, and I, I tell you, you look at scholars and what scholars write about all this, those, those four dimensions, it's unbelievable the things that they say. But I, I can tell you this, Paul wanted them to get the love of Christ. He wanted them to see all that it was, how wide it stretches, how long it reaches, how high it towers, and how deep it travels. That's what he wanted them to see. He wanted them to see uh, Paul was praying for the church in Ephesus was that, that they would see that Christ's love was without borders, encompassing everyone. John 3.16, what does it say? For God so loved the? That's exactly right. World, which means everyone, regardless of race, creed, rich, poor, young, old, saved, not saved. He loves everyone. He wanted them to get that. Paul, Paul was prayer for them was that they would see that. He wanted them to grasp that there was no link, that Christ wouldn't go for them. There was, no, there was no link that Christ would not go for them. He wanted them to see that for all that it was, that he was God and he became man. And the only reason he came, became man was because he loved us. He wanted them to see that. He wanted them to see what Jesus was willing to do for us. He wanted them to feel how great the love was. How high it towers over all other love. It's better than any human love there's ever been. You take the love that you, the, the greatest love you have here on earth, and, it, and his love is greater than that. 
Love here, we, it's based on condition or circumstance or situation or whatever. His love is unconditional, unrelenting. Just like it says in the Bible, and I'm convinced that nothing can separate us from God's love. Neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither fears for today or worries about tomorrow. That's, what, that's the kind of love Paul wanted them to get. Are you still with me? That's, that's what he wanted them to see. So when he's praying his prayer, that's what he's asking for. I'm praying that you will get this, that you will see his love for all it is. He wants them to understand the darkness that Christ would endure for us and did endure for us in the darkest part of our souls. In our darkest hours, where Jesus should have been the judge, yet he chose to be the punishment. That's the love he wants them to understand and grasp. You still with me? He wants them to grasp it because he knows there's something, there's something so much more that can happen in their lives if they understand it. And I want to read that to you in verse 19. He says, may you experience the love of Christ, though it is too great to understand fully. Well, that's great, isn't it? <laughs> kind of kicked you there, didn't he? Kicked you right in the gut. He's saying, man, I, I am praying that God will give you the ability to understand something that is ununderstandable. I might have made that up. It's all right. I want you to know something that's unknowable. Read this, because then you will be made complete with all the fullness of life and power that comes from God. Did you see it? Then you will be made complete with all the fullness of life and power that comes from God. This is what he was saying. I want you to experience that love. I want you to see it. I want you to grasp it. I want you to take hold of it. And I want you to experience it. I want you to see it in your life. I want you to accept it. I want you to feel it. I want you to enjoy it. I want you to take it in and it become part of who you are. And realize every day that you grasp more and more of how great Christ's love is. As you get more and more of it, as more of it comes to light in your life and you begin to see it for all that it truly is, you will realize that you haven't even scratched the surface of how much he loves you. And because of that, you will live and f- uh, live a complete life. What he's saying. You will experience a complete life. Your life will be made complete. Now, old Paul can write a letter, can't he? That's pretty solid. He's like, hey, hope you have a great week. Love you, bye. That's me. I'm gonna attempt to I'm gonna attempt to paraphrase it. So this is like Tim's paraphrase of Paul's letter. I pray that God will give you the ability to grasp the vastness of the love of Christ so that you can experience a complete life. I'll read it one more time. You ready? I pray that God will give you the ability to grasp the vastness of the love of Christ so that you can experience a complete life. This is our point this morning. If you don't hear anything else I say, this is four words. It's very easy. Christ's love completes life. Christ's love completes life. Grasping the love of Christ and experiencing that every single day is the love that will complete your life. So to go back as we walk around here every day, day in and day out, 
So many of us are, are empty. We feel empty. We feel like something's missing. We feel this void inside of us. We're hollow shells. We're broken. We're drained. Blank, vacant, you name it. Whatever description you need or whatever feels, uh, fits in your, for your particular situation. That's how so many of us walk around. Incomplete. Something missing out of our lives. That's how we, that's how we live. And I tell you, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just make sure we make this point again. Paul wasn't writing to a, uh, a bunch of, of lost people. He was writing to Christians. And I'm standing here this morning and I'm talking to a bunch of Christians. And I want to say this. I know there are periods of your life where you have walked with Christ, you have talked with Him, you've followed Him, you've, you've, uh, I'm, sure, I'm sure that there have been periods of fullness in your life, but for some reason we go in and out of it and in and out of it, of the fullness of life, the complete life that He's talking about right here. And it may be that we, we just uh, moved past it in some way. I don't know if Jesus loves me like got old or something. I don't know that way we lose focus on it. I don't know what happened. Maybe we made a mistake. Maybe we, we did something wrong. And we just didn't want to hear it anymore. So we've just kind of, we, we blocked that part out in our minds. Maybe something happened to us. Maybe something bad happened to us. And, and even if we kind of, we might still come to church. We might still listen to sermons, whatever. But maybe there's just a piece of us that chooses not to believe in the love of Christ like we used to. Perhaps we simply misplaced it. And I know there might be someone here this morning, and you may not know Christ at all. You've never accepted him as your Lord and Savior. So you might not have any clue what I'm talking about, but I know this. You feel that emptiness all the same. You feel that incomplete part of your life all exactly the same as these Christians do. I don't know where you are at specifically this morning. I don't know where where individually you guys are at. But I know this, every single one of us wants a complete life it's, it's almost innate we can't help it we we try we we go through this life and that's what we're looking for we're looking to, to, to feel fulfilled to feel like we have a complete life to have something we're satisfied with in this life and i'll be honest with you most of us we try to fill it up with other stuff that's not from the right place We try to fill it up with a new, new stuff sometimes. Sometimes it's got to be new. A new haircut, not a word. That was a smart mouth at that last service. A new job. A new car. A new workout regimen. New, just new junk. New house. New spouse. New boyfriend or girlfriend. New hobby. New cause. New plan. And if new doesn't work, what do we do? We go to more. New doesn't work, so let's just start trying more stuff. Can I be honest with you this morning? Can I? It'll never work. You can't buy enough stuff, you can't get enough stuff, you can't chase enough stuff, you can't try enough stuff to ever experience a complete life, because that comes from one thing.
knowing the love of Jesus Christ. Knowing the vastness of his love and experiencing it leads to completeness. Realizing how much he loves you is what will fill you up. Learning how to accept that love and not run from it. Not feel unworthy of it. Just to accept it. Just take it. Learning how to recognize it and not overlook it because we're so busy. Learning how to embrace it, take it in and and not forget it. And how to enjoy it every single time you have the chance is the path to a life of completeness. At some point, what I believe happens, and what Paul is talking about here, at some point, it becomes what gets you up in the morning. It becomes what gets you through your day. It becomes what the hope with which you lay your head down on your pillow at night. That's what Christ's love becomes when you realize the magnitude of it. It becomes the rock that you lean on when the world is crumbling around you, and it becomes uh, the thing that you praise when life's going great. That's what Christ's love will do when you realize the expanse of it. That's where the complete life you're looking for lies. Over the years, I've, I have danced in and out of it, man. Never, Christ has always loved me. I've just forgotten it a lot. There have been, there have been plenty of moments where I've known it, and, 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 but there have been a lot where I have just forgotten it was there. I, either it, maybe I, it could be that I wasn't trusting it, or it could be that I just wasn't accepting it because of where I was personally at the time, feeling bad about myself or whatever, and you just name it. I, I, can, I, I can go through all the things, you know, the, the, the battle with this for me. But I tell you, this week I realized something. I, this has got to become the prayer of my heart. This has got to become the focus of my life is to just search out that love of Jesus in my life. So many times I've experienced it, man. I've, I've, I've just experienced the love of Jesus like Paul talks about it. Um, about four years ago, I lost this very dear friend of mine um, of the four-legged, 35-pound variety. And uh, her name was Jackie, and it was my dog. We were, uh, I'd had her about 10 years. And this was my best friend, okay? Like, when I say best friend, this was like my best friend. Me and, me and Randy, we hunted her back in the day for a long time. And uh, after the hunting kind of subsided there, she became my pet. She slept in the bed with me. We brushed our teeth together. I mean, it was, it was a big life. Same toothbrush and everything. <laughs> no, she really was, man. She was my best friend. I mean, she, she was just that kind of dog. You know, I'd walk in the house, and she'd, you know, she, was, she went with me everywhere. She went with me everywhere. She went to work with me every day, worked on the farm. She chased me around on the tractor. As she got older, she got smarter. She just sat on a shady hill over there and watched me work, but it's fine. I mean, she was just that kind of dog. She went to school with me. Most of the time she went to school with me, I'd go to Clemson, and, and I had a leash that hooked up in the back of the truck and underneath. And so what she could do is I'd let the tailgate down. She'd get underneath the truck and sleep in the parking lot at Clemson University, and I'd give her a bucket of water. That's how, I, I mean, this was my dog. She was with me every single day. Well, about four years ago this week, she got hit by a car. And I'll be honest with you, I was devastated. Destroyed me. Because she was my best friend. She was like my wife before Brittany. She was a lot quieter, too. I had to say it, I'm sorry. (laughs) 
But she got, man, when she got hit by a car, I'm telling you, I was destroyed. I cried. I cried for a week. I couldn't quit crying. As a matter of fact, if you knew me, if we were close or whatever, you'd realize, like, you didn't see me that whole week. And the reason you didn't see me is because I was crying, because this was my best friend on the planet. And I went, I, I really struggled. And, and I could go into, like, what the thoughts and stuff I had. I had a lot of thoughts. You know, I felt bad. I felt bad I wasn't there with her when she died. I felt like I should have been. We've been through so much other junk together. I felt like I should have been there for that. Um, felt like maybe it was my fault and I, I mean it was just all sorts of stuff I was really struggling and uh, about three months after she died I, I mean I would just go through periods where I would just like at night just be sitting there thinking I didn't have this dog with me no more and I'd just start crying well I'd kind of had one of those nights and I went to bed and fell asleep and I fell asleep I had this dream so I don't want you to think I'm getting hokey or mystic or anything I know I'm talking about a dog and everything but this is this is important to me and I believe this is so exemplifies what I'm talking about but I fell asleep, and I, when I came to in this dream, I was standing in the middle of this big green field. And I'm just kind of looking around, you know, and up from across the top of this hill comes Jackie. And she's running in this field. And she don't even know I'm there. And you just had to see her run, man, but this is how this dog runs. She's a little short dog, and so she had to jump to get over the tops of the grass. So that's how she was running. I mean, just fast. I mean, she's fast as lightning, though. That's how she hopped. You remember what I'm talking about? And she run. She's running around this field, and I just immediately, as soon as I see her, I just start crying in my dream. I mean, I am sobbing, and I and I realize I'm like, I need to call her. I need to whistle, and I, I'm not a very good whistler. I whistle like, Shh. but I couldn't even do that in the dream. I was dreaming that I needed to call her, and I was crying so hard I couldn't get her attention. And so finally, I managed out this whistle, and I went, whistled. And she she turned around. And, I mean, they saw me. So, so you got to imagine, she's in full bounding run. I whistle, and she's like, and does like that. And I'm like, hey, girl. And, boy, she takes off running. She runs. I squat down. She hits me, and she's, like, doing the wiggle, you know, where they get all up here in your arms and licking me in the face. And it was like three seconds, boom, I woke up. And I'm talking about when I woke up, my pillow was soaked. I was crying. I don't know. Brittany was still asleep. I don't know how she didn't hear me. I was a little crying. And I woke up, and I'm sitting there, and I'm trying to gather myself. And all of a sudden, I hear a voice speak to me in the pit of my heart. And I knew it was Jesus. And he said, she's fine. Two words. And all of a sudden, I was okay. I'm not saying I didn't cry. I'm not saying I still don't cry about it every once in a while. But I got it. It filled my heart up so much to realize that Jesus in heaven loves me so much that he could tell I had a broken heart. He wanted to fix it. I want you to think about that. I want to make sure you get that. Because I got, I mean, you got to think, Jesus, he knows all these people, all these people that he loves, all these situations, all these problems, all this junk that we see in the world today. If you watch the news for five minutes, you're depressed. I mean, all of this stuff he sees, and he cared enough about a good old boy that lives in Wahala, South Carolina, to give me a vision of something because he knew that I needed it. and He wanted to help me with it. That's the expanse of Jesus' love for each one of us. That's getting to experience it. That's recognizing that it's there. Seeing it for all that it is. And it changes your life. It completes your life. 
So how do we get him? How do we grasp it? That was Paul's prayer for the church in Ephesus. I believe that's something that we all desire. We all desire a complete life. So how do we get there? What do we do? Well, I believe this. Paul, did, Paul didn't give him a step-by-step process, did he? He didn't tell him what to do. He didn't say, hey, guys, if you start doing this, this is how you get it. what he did. What did he do? He prayed for him. I believe that's exactly what we should do. If we truly believe that a complete life is the result of knowing, of understanding, of grasping the vastness and the magnitude of the, of the love of Christ, then we should desire that in our lives. We should desire that to be how we live. So I think we should pray. I think we should pray specifically, though. And I want to make sure, make sure you're listening. Don't, don't start disconnecting from me. i still got time. I think you should pray specifically. I want you to think about where you are. Do you struggle with accepting it? Do you carry so much past and so much guilt and so much shame and so much all that other junk that you just struggle with just accepting the fact that Jesus loves you and letting that be what fills up your life? Is that where you are? Do you struggle with seeing it in the world around you? Do you struggle with seeing all the occasions and all the things that Jesus is doing because he loves you when he's speaking to you? Do you miss that? Are you so busy in your life? Are you so distracted in your life that you don't see that? Because if that's, your, that's the case, I think you should pray it. I think you should pray it like this. I think you should say, God, I'm praying that you'll give me the ability to see when Jesus is showing me his love. Does that make sense? That should be the prayer of our hearts. If we want a complete life, this is what we should want. Maybe you struggle with trusting it. Maybe you struggle with just, with just trusting in his love, resting in that love. Maybe you need to feel it more. Maybe that's where you are, or you're at personally. You just want to feel his love more often in your life. You want the comfort that comes along with it and the peace that comes along with it. I think you pray for that. You pray that you'll get the ability to feel it, to see it, to trust it, to know it. Grab a hold to it. Never let go of it. Not forget it. All of these are things that you can pray for. You just got to know where you are, and I can't know where you are. You may be here today, and you don't know Christ. You never asked him into your life, and I just want to encourage you in this. That's the first step. The first step, I'm telling you, this love that we're talking about is unbelievable. It is unrelenting, undeniable, the greatest thing ever on the planet, ever. And all you have to do is accept that in your life. I'd like to pray for you, if you will, please. Every head bowed and every eye closed. I just want to give you a moment this morning to pray. It's right there in your seat. It's right where you are. I just want to encourage you. You know, you know, you know where you are at better than anyone else. But you know now that a complete life comes from the knowledge of love of Jesus Christ. 
If you need to accept it, then I pray that I say that you pray for that. If you need to feel it, see it, trust it. I'm telling you, we're trying to fill up with all this junk. We're trying all this other junk, all this other stuff that the world says is going to help fill you up. Everything it looks like the status quo, and I'm telling you, it's not going to fill you up. It's not going to be the life that satisfies. It's not going to be the life that, that you just uh, is abundant. It's, that's not what it's going to be. A life that's abundant, a life that's complete, is a life that's found in Christ. And I want to do this this morning encourage you so this has to become something that you pray you pray regularly you pay you pray daily maybe it maybe the need changes from day to day maybe one morning you get up having a bad morning you need to pray that you'll see his love in your life that day then you pray that but i do believe there's somebody here this morning you've never accepted christ as your lord and savior you've never done that and i and i I'd love to give you that opportunity this morning because I just think it's so important. It's, it's, the, it's the, the first step in knowing him. Maybe you feel that. You feel that tug at your heart. You feel, you feel you've been put, being uh, led in that direction. That Jesus has been beckoning you. He's been calling you. And I want to I pray. I want to pray with you if that's the case. If you're willing to accept that he died on the cross for your sins. You don't have to carry the weight of that anymore. Then I encourage you to pray this prayer with me. You say, Father, I know that I have sinned and made mistakes. I ask to be forgiven for my sins. I believe that your son, Jesus, died on the cross for my sins and was resurrected. And I invite him to come into my life and become the Lord of my life. To reign in my heart from this day forward. If you pray that prayer, I just want to encourage you. You just made the best decision of your life. You just made the best decision of your life. Because there is, a, there is, there is something out there for you. It's the love of Jesus. And the more you explore it and the more you learn about it and the more that it comes to light, you're going to live, you're going to realize that you're right in the middle of a, a complete life. The hubbub, all the other stuff that in life that seems to matter so much, is going to, the perspective on it is going to change. Just encourage you guys, man. This needs to be something that we pray for as a church. I'm telling you, this is what Golden Corner needs. This is what the church as a whole needs. We've got to we got to live in the love of Jesus, man. It's got to come into us. We got to take it in. It has to start to come out of us. Father, you are a great God. We love you and we give you all the honor and glory this morning. I pray that you, that you use us in a mighty way, God, but that you just begin to show us your love, and it is undeniable. It is wonderful. And we'll begin to share it with the world around us.
Jesus' name, amen. I'll show you guys something before you leave. So, this is what I'm saying. The day you understand how high it is, and how deep it travels, and how wide it stretches, is the day you'll experience a complete life. Hope you guys have a great week. We love you. Hope to see you back real soon. You're dismissed.